what I like. All right, forward faith. And today, we're just going to lay the groundwork. I know we got some weather coming in later this afternoon. I promise not to keep you past about 5 o'clock or so. But uh, <laughs> we're going to lay the groundwork for our series that we're going to be in for the next several weeks. And I want you to take some notes. If you have your phone, something you can jot down some notes or, or something to write with. Because some of the things, and more importantly, the themes that we're going to lay out today are going to be reoccurring throughout the series, and it's really important that you have it and you have the definitions so that you can get the most out of what I believe the Lord is, is going to use to change the trajectory of our church uh, by changing the trajectory of your life. And so I want to start today with a question, what is faith? Look at somebody, ask them, what is faith? And the answer to that question, really, it depends on who you ask. What is faith? It depends on who you ask. Um, society at large will say, and, and skeptics will say, that faith is the irrational acceptance of something impossible. Or to say it more in layman's terms, what people generally think about faith is just kind of a blind leap in the dark. You know, there's no evidence. Um, there's, there's nothing that would confirm uh, any belief. You, you're just jumping off into something without any rationale. But that is not how the scripture defines faith. The scripture defines it very differently. And we need to know if we talk about faith so much, and we do, and if faith is the substratum, the foundation of the Christian experience, and it is, then when we talk about faith, we need to know what we're talking about. So go to Hebrews 11 and let us allow the scripture itself to define what is faith. The scripture says in Hebrews 11, now faith is, watch this, the substance. Let's say that together. Now faith is the substance substance. Now you're starting to get cold on me. I need you to stay warm. Now faith is the substance. If you're taking notes, faith is an inner material substance. I want to say it again. Faith is an inner on the inside, but it's still a material substance. Everybody say faith is a thing. All right, now this is not a perfect analogy. It's kind of the best one I can, I can think of to give you, so I want you to follow me on this. If you've ever been grief-stricken or extremely sad, if you develop a sadness or an anxiety or a depression that's severe enough, you can actually feel it physically on the inside, okay? So, you know, if you've ever been really grief-stricken or really sad, you can feel the sadness either in your chest or in your throat or in the pit of your stomach. Anybody ever felt anything like that? You just, you, sometimes you can taste it. You know, the, the, the taste in your mouth changes. Things get bad enough, difficult enough. Why? Because the sadness that you're feeling or the grief that you're feeling becomes a material substance that can be felt and can be experienced. Even though you can't see sadness with your eyes, okay, even though it's not a physical substance in the material world, it is still a very real substance in the invisible world of the mind and the emotions, okay? It's not a perfect analogy, 
Faith is a lot like that, you know, on the positive side. Faith is a material substance on the inside that you can feel, that you can experience, and that is very real on the inside. So, faith, Hebrews, back to Hebrews 11, faith is that substance, that inner material substance, but substance of what? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, here the scripture fuses together faith and hope. They must always be fused together because hope is the destination or it's the goal or it's the thing that you're wanting or believing for, hoping for. And then faith becomes the bridge whereby you get there. Okay? That's what the Bible says. Faith is nothing more than the substance, the inner material substance of things hoped for. Hope is the destination. Faith is the bridge. But without hope, faith becomes a bridge to nowhere. Okay? So faith without hope is useless. There must be an established hope in order for faith to work. That's why it's so hard to minister to people who are hopeless and who don't want to get better because you can't get them to engage in faith because without a hope, faith is a bridge to nowhere. That's why the word of God is full of promises okay. because the promises of God produce a hope. All right. So, the promises of God and the word of God are always sending to us on mutually exclusive tracks, faith and hope. So I want you to see, next note if you're taking notes, that God's word is the source of both, both hope and faith, the destination and the bridge. Now. The next thing I want to tell you is that faith is not something you have to produce yourself. Oh, it's a good note. Faith is not something you have to produce within yourself. Go to Romans 10, 17 in the NET. The New English translation, please. Consequently, faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the preached word of Jesus Christ. So God is the one that is responsible through his word to send faith to you. God is the source of faith and hope. Now I want to ask you something. If God and his word or God through his word is the source of both faith and hope, and God's so big, and God has all these abilities, then why didn't everybody in the world believe? If God is the source of faith and hope, then why isn't everybody in the world saved? If God is the source of faith and hope, then how are there Christians that have backslidden and, and lost their faith and no longer even believe? If God is the source of it, how do these things happen? If God is the source of it, you know, why are some of you finding yourself in a faith crisis this morning? If God is the source of faith and hope. And to answer that question, go to Mark eleven twenty two. 22. 
Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus is teaching. And he answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now, the church has murdered this scripture. It's one of the most popular faith scriptures in the Bible, but the church has murdered it. Because it sounds upon preliminary inspection of that text that Jesus is encouraging, come on, man, have faith. You know, come on, build your faith up. Come on, you know, believe this. Come on, have faith in God. That is not what Jesus was saying. Excuse me for a minute. I have in my hand one of God's greatest creations. Peanut butter. M&M's. Not peanut M&M's. Oh, no. Peanut butter. Pastor Jeff? Well, let me give you one from the bag that my hand didn't touch. We're serious about COVID protocols here. Have an M&M. Justin? Have an M&M. Ron? I'm sorry. I thought I heard you say you don't like peanut butter. You need to owe taste and see that. Anybody else want an M&M? All right. Have an M&M. Those are your favorite. Here, you can have the whole bag. No, 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 here. Good. Oh, my God. Have faith in God is no different than have an M&M. Jeff didn't cook those M&Ms in the factory. He didn't buy the M&Ms. It was provided to him, already intact. All he had to do was receive it, believe it, and act on it. Have faith in God is the same way. That's what Jesus was saying. Have faith in God. From what has already been provided, from what has already been given, from what has already been established, here, have faith in God. Now, not everybody wants it. Okay? We can be all around faith, but be like Ron in here today. (laughs) So that's how people can come to church and yet not experience change in their life. They can come to church and yet not have a robust belief system about their theology or about the scripture itself. 
they can be around it, but it not be in them. Because with having faith, you have to receive it. You have to believe it. And then you have to act on it. So, so, so faith is not something you produce. Faith is something you receive. That's a good note. Faith is not something you produce out of yourself. It is something you receive. Here's the faith process. I think I detailed it up there. Here's the faith process. God has provided it. We must receive it, believe it, and then act on it. Now, we've talked about a lot of things so far. Let's find a biblical story to back up all of the claims that we've made. Go with me to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start reading in verse 32. To give you uh, some context for this, um, after the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, a large crowd gathered to find out what was happening with the disciples in the upper room, what was all the commotion about. And Peter comes out to give the first message of the New Testament church. This is the first time a message has been preached since the ascension of Jesus Christ. And it's a long message. We'll pick up on verse at verse 32. He's, Peter says, this Jesus, God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. And then he had quoted David previously, and he brings David back up. He says, David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself in the Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, verse 37, watch this with me. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Everybody say cut to the heart. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off and as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, in that passage, we have all of the components that we've just talked about in the introduction. God's word contained a promise. Peter said, this promise is for you. What does the promise do? It gives you hope for the future. God's word also produced a faith. So God himself has produced both a hope and a faith for the people hearing. Okay, And then in verse 37, the Bible says, when they heard the word of God, Remember, the word produces both hope and faith. When they heard the word of God, they were cut to the heart. Well, what is that? That means they received it, okay? They received it, or they felt that inner material substance called faith. 
If you've ever been in a service before and the preaching of the word causes you to start to kind of burn on the inside or start to kind of feel something, you know what that is. That's that inner material substance called faith. When they were cut to the heart, they were receiving it. But then it's not over. They came and they said, what must we do? And Peter said, you need to repent or change your mind or believe it. Okay. You need to, you've received it. Now you need to believe it. There's a lot of people that come to church and they receive faith and yet they don't really believe it because it's the point where your actions and lifestyle change that mean you have really believed what you have received. And a lot of people stay in the cycle of coming to church and receiving the word for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, and years but they never really put it into belief. In other words, they don't allow the word to change their patterns and their lifestyles. So Peter said, this is what you must do. Your, your, your heart's been cut. I just love that. No, no one actually came with a knife and cut their heart. He's talking about you're, you're feeling it. You're, you're, you have it on the inside. That inner substance known as faith is growing in you. That's wonderful. You've received it. Now you need to believe it. Or he said, repent. And then he said, act on it. How? Be baptized. Put it into action. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, receive it. Receive it. Believe it. Receive it. Act on it. Act on Let's say it again. Receive it. Receive it. Believe, it. Believe it. Act on it. Now, that was faith as it pertains to salvation. That's how it still works today. You come to church, you hear the word of God preached, the word of God delivers a hope and a faith, and then you are responsible for receiving it, believing it, and acting on it, what God has already provided. Now, the system works the same way no matter what the hope is, or what the destination is, or what the want is. We just saw an example of how it works for salvation. Let's look at an example of how it works for healing. Go to Acts chapter 3. And I need to change translations. Uh, I want to use the NIV for this one. Acts chapter 3. And let me find my NIV. Okay. Acts chapter 3. Let's look at verses 1 through 16. And I'll, I'll jump a few verses and I'll let you know which one. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, 3 in the afternoon. And now a man who was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him as John did. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. Notice the feet and ankles didn't become strong until the man got up. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. Verse 8, he jumped to his feet, began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. 
When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Look at verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, let me tell you what I skipped over. When all these people saw this man healed and they recognized him, knew who he was, they all crowded around to see the sight. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer, Barabbas, be released to you. You killed the author of life, but... God has raised him from the dead. We are all witnesses of this. Look at verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. Listen at Peter. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed this man, as you can all see. Now, look at this. This man is lame. And he basically, he lives, he spends all day, every day, at the temple gate. In other words, faith is all around him, but it never got in him. I wonder how many people in this room have been living around faith, but the faith you're around never got down on the inside of you. Okay. And so... The man loves to be there. In fact, the Bible says it's a beautiful place. And you know, church can be a beautiful place. Even for an unbeliever, church can be a beautiful place. There's a lot of people that smile at you and they got nice things to say and you can get a whole bunch of hugs. And if you just love human contact, church can be a beautiful place. There's often great music. It often feels, you know, real warm and nice inside a church. People come to church for a lot of reasons, but the church doesn't always get inside them. So this man had been living around power, but power had never got inside of him until Peter and John come by and he asked them for money. They look at him. They said, we left our pocketbook at home, but what we have on us right now, we're going to give to you. And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. When they said that, the man received it. God provided it. The man received it. Then he believed it, but then he acted on it. Because when Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk, Peter stuck out his hand, and the man had to get up before he felt the strength come into his ankles and his feet. Okay. And when the man received it, believed it, and acted on it, the scripture says immediately his feet became strong. And the miracle took place. Then everybody came uh, running around wondering, you know, what was going on. And I wanted you to notice, we've looked at Acts 2, we've looked at Acts 3. I wanted you to notice, because there, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about faith, and faith is powerful. But I wanted to focus in on the foundation of faith, the, the bullseye of faith, the strongest part of faith. And we see it in Acts chapter 2, and we see it in Acts chapter 3. It wasn't just faith per se. It was faith specifically in the name of Jesus. 
What did Peter say to them when they said, uh, what do we need to do to be saved? He said, you need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. What did Peter and John say to the lame man? In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. When all the people gathered around and said, how in the world did this happen? We've been walking by this man for years and we've never seen him stand like this. Peter said, don't look at us as if it was our power that did this. He, Peter said, it is Jesus's name through faith in his name that has healed this man. So I want you to see the pattern of faith in the name of Jesus and the activity of the early church. Because what it was in its beginning is what it will be in its end. God is Alpha and Omega. He said, I am the Lord, I do not change. What God did in the early church in the book of Acts, God will still do today if we have faith in the name of Jesus. And since we're teaching today, I'm going to take a rabbit trail because I just think this is so amazing. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 3 through 19. Because when all the people gathered around, they said, how is this possible? Peter said, it's not us. It's faith in the name of Jesus. Everybody say, faith in the name of Jesus. Say it again like a church. Say, faith in the name of Jesus. All right. Look at verse three. They're, they're, they're still, the, the, the crowd comes around at the temple. Everybody's going crazy. Pandemonium's taking place. And the high priests and the Sanhedrin come into the court to see what's going on. The leaders of the temple come because they ain't seen people that excited. They had a dead church. They ain't seen people that excited in a long time. And so they come to inspect what's going on. Let me, let me say it to you like this. Some of the same people that were responsible for crucifying Jesus were leading this temple. Okay. And now Jesus is, has, has died on the cross. He has been resurrected and then he's ascended. Jesus is off the scene. But they see a pandemonium and all kind of stuff going on that hadn't taken place like this since back in Jesus' day. So they come to investigate and, and look at it. Verse 3, it says... They seized Peter and John because it was evening and they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and elders and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. It was Annas, the high priest. Caiaphas was there. You remember him from the crucifixion of Jesus. John, Alexander, and other of the high priest's family. And then they brought Peter and John before them and began to question them. Watch them. They said, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Verse 13, 
when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them, watch this, to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. Watch them. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. You know it's getting real when evil men start to fear it. All right. So verse 18, they called them in and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him. And he goes on to say, we, we can't help but preach and speak and teach in that name because there's power. Okay. But yes, there is power in the name of Jesus, but that's not really what the scripture is teaching us here. The scripture is teaching us here. There's power when you have faith in the name of Jesus. Okay. That's the linchpin right there. That's what holds it together. When you have faith in the name of Jesus. Now, how did all of this happen? Where did this, where'd this strength and power come from using his name? Let's go back. We've looked at the results, but let's look how it started. Go back to John 14 and look at verses 12 and 13. John 14, 12 and 13 very truly, Jesus is teaching the apostles. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going away. I'm going to the Father. In other words, Jesus is saying, my ministry is going to continue. And everything I've been doing in my ministry is going to continue. So miracles are going to continue. Healing broken people is going to continue. Helping people find themselves who are lost, that's going to continue. Loving people even when they're unkind and reaching for them and helping them, that's going to continue. But it's going to continue through you. He's telling his, the apostles this. And then he says, and in fact, even greater things you're going to do. Now, the word greater is the Greek word megas. It doesn't mean that we're going to do greater works than Jesus, you know, um, on a qualitative scale. It's quantitative. You know, it's, it's far more. In other words, Jesus ministered for three and a half years, but uh, the church has been ministering to broken and hurting people for over 2,000 years. So the works have been magos. They've been greater. He says, you're going to do greater things. But the key is you have to believe in me and you have to use my name. Go on and read it. He said, he said, verse 13, and I will do, I will do 
whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. And you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. In other words, I want my ministry to continue. But the power for you disciples to perform my ministry is going to be linked and forever tied to your faith in my name. God is essentially giving them his power of attorney to do business for him as him in the earth using his name. So in John 14, a lot of people quote this, you know, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will do. A lot of people think that's talking about personal prayer. And they say, you know, in the, in the name of Jesus, I want a Porsche in the garage, you know. And they go out in the garage and the Porsche isn't there. And they say, well, the word didn't work. You, you got to understand the context. Jesus is talking to his disciples about continuing his ministry in his name. Okay. Now that goes back to what Peter told those people about the lame man. Peter said, don't look at us like we healed the guy. We didn't heal the guy. Faith in the name of Jesus healed the guy because y'all crucified Jesus. God raised him from the dead and now he's at the right hand of the father. But the power of his name is still in the earth and it still works for anybody who will have faith in the name of Jesus. Give God a praise for that all over the house. No, give God a good praise for that. That's powerful. That's powerful. Amen. Now. The name of Jesus and the power that comes when you have faith in it is actually a gift from God, not for Jesus, but for us. Remember what Peter said in Acts. There is no other name under heaven. Then what did he say? Given. Okay. That, that God gave Jesus the name that is above every name, not for Jesus' sake. Uh, the book of Revelation says Jesus has a name no, none of us know yet. That, that in eternity, he'll be called that and we'll know what that is. But God gave his son a name that was above every name that had all power for our benefit so that we would have something to call on that gives us a direct line to kingdom activity, that gives us a direct line to what the spirit of God is moving and doing in the earth. That when you say the name of Jesus in faith, when that inner material substance has been built up on the inside of you and you pray in the name of Jesus, there is spiritual power that takes place in that moment. It has never stopped working. Now you say, oh, in the name of Jesus and there's no faith attached. It's just, you're talking gibberish. It's, I hope you see it in the text. The key is believing in the name, having faith in the name, having that inner material substance on the inside and engaging that and using the holy name of God. Now, we've looked at faith in the name for salvation and for healing and how the apostles used it to begin the early church. Now let's look at faith in the name of Jesus for your personal prayer life, because I know we all are interested in church history, but really what we want to know is how does this apply to me today? And so go to John 16 and look at verses 23 and 24. Jesus is telling them, uh, he said, you know, lately you've been asking me a lot of things. You've been talking to me directly. But in 23, he says, but in that day, in other words, there's, there's a day coming. Let me go to the King James. I'm sorry, guys. That's, that's my fault. I want us to 
all be on the same page. Give me a second. He says, in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, though, I say to you, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. So ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, the word ask there in verse 24, everybody say ask. ask. My favorite sayings is your ask is too small. You got a little old ask. You need to increase the size of your ask. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Ain't nobody here but us. Look at your neighbor. Say your ask is too little. Okay. Jesus told him, ask in my name that your joy may be full. Now, the word ask in the Greek there is ai teo. Ai teo. It means to require or to demand. Now, understand this. You are not demanding God in prayer. You really don't have a leg to stand on. Okay? You can't demand anything of God. It's amazing that God even decided to save somebody like you. There ain't no real people in the church this morning. Glory to God. Okay? Really, we don't have a right to demand anything of the king of the universe. We don't have a right to go to him and demand anything. And yet Jesus says to demand. What's he mean? He's not saying you demand God. He's saying when you release your faith in my name, the inner material substance known as faith, that faith puts a demand on God. That faith in the name of Jesus puts a demand on God and causes your request to be heard. You understanding that? It says, when you ask anything, if you ask it in my name, faith in my name will cause your request to grab God's attention. It will cause your request to be considered no matter what. And, and this is something every one of you... Um, Every one of you, you know, who comes to church, but you still got a whole mess in your life that you need to clean up. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but, but, you know, you, you, know, you come to church, you believe in Jesus, but you got a whole lot of junk going on at the house, you know? <laughs> Sometimes those things in our lives cause us to hesitate from going into prayer because we're so conscious of how broken and weak and far off we are, even according to our own standard. We know better, and we're crazy anyway. Anybody ever know better and you still, you know? So sometimes, sometimes flaws in the flesh, flaws in our character, we know just enough Bible to be dangerous. We know we're not supposed to live that way. And it puts us in condemnation and it makes us not want to go to God in prayer and it makes us feel bad asking God for things in prayer. 
because we feel like we don't deserve it. And we feel like what we really think is, if I was better, I would qualify for it. Okay, and then I would ask you. But Jesus is teaching, when you go to God in prayer, you're not going to be heard anyway if you go in your name. When you go to God in prayer, no matter how good you're living or how you're acting, you're not going to get his attention if you go in your name. But when you go to God in prayer by faith in the name of Jesus, now God sees it as if Jesus is asking him. It's really not you praying. It's really not you demanding or requiring something of God. It's your faith on the inside in the name of Jesus that is praying and requiring and putting a demand on God. That means you can always go to God. You can go to God sinful. You can go to God broken. You can go to God when you made a mistake. You can go to God if you don't even halfway have all your stuff together. You can always go to God by faith in the name of Jesus. And the faith in the name of Jesus is what grants the audience. It's what causes you to come into God's space. It's what causes God's ear to come to where you are. Okay. So it's, the, it's faith in the name of Jesus that is guiding this whole thing. And then Jesus says, ask. Ask whatever you want. That's what he said. Ask whatever you will. Require, demand, whatever you will. Now, this does not mean that every single one of your prayers are going to be answered. <laughs> and I think we've done a disservice to prayer in, that, in this text when Jesus said, ask whatever you will in my name. I don't think Jesus was teaching that, you know, like a genie, God is going to give you whatever you want if you say the magic words in the name of Jesus. I think the focus is on the whatever. I think he's teaching that when you go to God by faith in the name of Jesus, nothing's off the table. You can ask for anything. Are you, are you catching this? That, that prayer in the name of Jesus in faith is so effective and so powerful that there's nothing off the table you can't ask for. And I know Jesus is teaching this because not even all of Jesus' prayers were answered. You remember when Jesus prayed in the garden? Now, now I want you to see this from, from a, a different angle. This is how much Jesus thought of prayer and of God's capability to answer. Jesus was born by the purpose of God to die on the cross. Jesus knew it was his purpose to die on the cross. Jesus told his disciples it was his purpose to die on the cross before he died on the cross. Jesus has taught for three years that the cross was coming. And yet Jesus thought so much of God's ability to answer anything. He thought so much of the power and capability and possibility in prayer that he said, Father, if there's any way that I can get out of this, if there's any way that this bitter cup of the cross can pass, let it be so. Nevertheless, not my will, thine be done. Jesus prayed about it all, even something he was 99% confident that the answer wasn't going to come back in the affirmative. He thought so much of it, he still asked. You should ask about everything. 
ask about the job that you're on, whether it's time to seek a promotion or go somewhere else, or you should ask about the person you're dating, whether it's time to get married or time to break up. You should ask about your children. You should ask about your future. You should ask about your health. You should ask about your finances. You should ask about your mind and mental well-being. You should ask about everything in the name of Jesus, if Jesus thought so much of it that he asked about getting out of the cross, you know, just God, God, you're so powerful and you're so capable. You might be able to do it another way. I'm, I'm at least going to ask. I think that's what he means here when he says whatever, that you can ask whatever you will in my name. The power of the name of Jesus, the, the power of faith in the name of Jesus when you pray. So, you know, you might start with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm talking about starting your day. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What is thy name? Jesus Christ. I come to you, God, today by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in my life, in my everyday life, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me the word I need for the day I'm going to face. Forgive me of my sins as I forgive anyone that has sinned against me. Lead me not into temptation today, but deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And then you start listing your prayers. Lord, I pray for my children today. I ask you to keep them safe. I ask that the angels of the Lord... Lord, become a hedge around them and go with them everywhere they go. And God, I ask for this in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask for your blessing on my life today, on my finances today. I ask for this in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask for your blessing upon my spouse today. Let their mind be whole and be strong. Let them have peace on the inside. And Lord, I ask for these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And just build your prayer life out by constant, repeating, declaring faith in the name of Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus said will happen if you do that? Every single one of your prayers get to God. Every single one of your prayers are considered. Every single one of your prayers are heard in heaven's courts. Every single one of your prayers are brought up before God's throne. Every single one of your prayers, if you use faith in the name of Jesus. All right. So, Faith in the name of Jesus. Everybody say it. Faith in the name of Jesus. Now, go with me to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes, notice that, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Look at this, verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. I do not care what you have done in your life. The blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross is so powerful that if you believe in him, you're not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already. Why is he condemned? Because he's a bad person? No. Is he condemned, you know, because he's rich or poor? No. 
He's condemned because he has not, notice the language, it's condemned because he has not believed. Notice it doesn't say he's not condemned because he didn't believe in God. It says he's not, he's condemned because he has not believed in the name. I'm telling you, there's something powerful about this name we don't understand. He's condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Lift your hand and say, Jesus, Jesus Christ, I believe in your name. Look at 1 John 5, 13. 1 John 5, 13. These things I have written to you who believe in. Are you reading this Bible with me? I know it's cold. I'm about to start to do flips and throw mics and do something. Are you, are you reading this with me? These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name. You seeing this? Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12. Look at this. But as many as... What's the process of faith? God has provided it. We have to receive it, believe it. What's the process of faith? God has provided it. We have to... But as many as received him... One, to them he gave the right, here's number two, to become. Okay. Because you become what you believe. You don't become what you shout about. I said you don't become what you nod your head and clap your hands about. You don't become, you know, what you profess. You become as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Okay. There is a New Testament truth that's a treasure trove that's been left buried in the sand by countless denominations. And that treasure trove is the mystery of the power of faith in the name of Jesus. There's something about it. Prayer in the name of Jesus. Baptism in the name of Jesus. Praying over your food in the name of Jesus. Okay. Speaking over your family and over your children in the name of Jesus. Okay. It's the lightning rod of our faith. It's the power source of our faith. So stand your feet all over the house. Today, I speak the blessing of God over your life in the name of Jesus. I speak that everyone who has that inner material substance called faith, and you have faith in the name of Jesus, I speak that the power of God, 
the beauty of God. The type of favor that is staggering. I speak that it would come on your life right now in the name of Jesus. Pastor, why are you praying about this? Because he said, I can ask for whatever I wanted and heaven would consider it. So heaven, I'm asking you to consider my prayer over these people right now. I pray that every cold heart would be warmed by faith in your word in the name of Jesus. I pray every person who's backslidden or fallen away from their strength, from the power of their belief system, that you would encourage them, that you would wrap your arms around them, and that you would strengthen them. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. I pray for those who are struggling in their health. I pray for those who are struggling in difficult areas in their mind or in their life. I pray that you would heal them right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I ask for that healing in the name of Jesus. Lord Peter said in the book of Acts that it was not the man's hand that healed the lame person, that it was the faith in the name of Jesus. So by faith in the name of Jesus, I speak healing and holiness to every single person that is standing in this room or watching online. By faith in the name of Jesus, I release peace to marriages and relationships. Every relationship that's been in a storm, we speak peace to that storm and we speak that peace by faith in the name of Jesus. I speak a spiritual warmth over this atmosphere. I speak a spiritual warmth over this region in San Antonio. I speak a spiritual spiritual covering over this place. And Lord, I speak this and ask this by faith in the name of Jesus. I ask that your blessing be upon your people deep on the inside. I feel the presence of the Lord coming on several of you right now. Oh, it's beautiful. Lift your hands. Oh, how it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Glory to your name, Jesus. Won't you lift up your hands and glorify him right now? All over the house. Amen. 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 If you need prayer for anything personally, come please. If you need prayer for anything.